Hey, welcome to the Leopard B2B Lounge, an expert-to-expert conversation on the complexities of business-to-business marketing. I'm Steve Mudd, marketing strategist, host of the Leopard B2B Lounge. Today we're going to talk about change management. What is it and how do you not screw it up? Our guest experts today are Don Marie Kerper, executive consultant here at Leopard. Don Marie, how are you? I'm excellent, Steve. How are you? And Cheryl Aderdunn. Um, Executive Director of Strategy at Leopard as well. How are you today? I'm great, Steve. Thanks for having us. Okay, so let's jump right in. Cheryl, what is change management and why does an agency like Leopard care? Well, I think when, when we think about change management from our perspective, it really is around marketing initiatives. And, and when you think about change, a lot of people forget there's an internal, an internal team, an internal, internal group, internal employees that have to go along with a shift in marketing. If you're doing a new brand launch, your employees have to understand what that means in the market and they have to understand what behavior they need to emulate to deliver on that brand. So that's when we talk about change management, so that, that's what we're talking about. It's, it's really changing behavior around an initiative. So uh, according to a lot of statistics, uh, you know, as, much as, as many as 70% of change management initiatives fail. Um, Don Marie, what, is, what does change management look like when it fails? Well, I think what it usually ends up looking like is a, a fairly large number of people in an organization spend a lot of time and a lot of money putting together a well-found plan um, that requires the participation of their colleagues, and they launch it into the world and nothing happens. So I think that's usually what it looks like. You don't, I mean, you ultimately don't see the change, which you had expected results from, and you don't get what you, what you have expected or potentially what you need to even survive as a company because you haven't engaged the people who need to deliver it. And then what can be the impact on the business of that type of failure? Well, I, th- I think when we're talking from our, our, our perspective, especially from a marketing perspective and, and in the world of customer experience, you have disjointed messaging in the market. You have a disjointed company where you're saying something and you're advertising your communication and your the rest of your your company is behaving a different way. So there's a disconnect and that impacts the bottom line. So it clearly impacts revenue. You have any examples of uh, where you where you've seen a company impacted by a failure and change? There there are classic stories about on, uh, like auto manufacturers and sort of second generation auto manufacturers uh, employees um, people on the line putting together cars and uh, and you know it's a whole new generation of employees who don't feel the pride in the brand and don't feel invested in making something that's sort of core to America and and you know risking the the reputation and business results of a whole company because the employees don't have pride in what they're doing um, and you know auto defects and things like that so it can, it can get right down to the core of the product that you're making and that's a b2c context of people making something that you think sort of would be fail proof it's a it's a it's assembly line so then take that and put it in the context of a b2b um, of a b2b business where we are and it's usually the people who are the product that you're selling it's what that that service is that they can provide and if they're not aligned to um, what the company is up to um, you know you frankly you run the risk of becoming obsolete because you're not delivering what the marketplace needs and you're not delivering it because you haven't brought your employees along with why they should deliver it. I think uh, another B2B example would be, um, I won't name the company, but there was an initiative for a carrier uh, delivery service where there was a huge brand initiative launched externally and they forgot to bring the sales team on board. So there's a huge disconnect and it did impact sales. 
negatively. But right. I think that's one where they then they tried to backpedal and get everybody on board, but it was too late. I think we've seen that a lot too. If you look at the the high profile example of like a Yahoo where you know they had to shift in the marketplace they were trying to shift they they just couldn't do it they couldn't get aligned around it and then they get absorbed into a larger company right. so the, right and then the take a look i mean think about another company that has done this well um and even i mean it might even be generated from a marketing campaign so cdw is a client we've had for a long time in the marketplace their tagline is that they're telling people that um cdw is the company that gets it whether they think about it or not, um, you know, as uh, on the onset of that campaign, what that means is when I call CDW and I get my salesperson on the line, they need to be able to talk about anything that I want to talk about. If I need new monitors or if I'm thinking about cloud computing. And, and in order to set up that team to be able to have every one of those conversations, it's taken a great deal of effort and commitment on behalf of the company. And that's actually part of the role that we play with them is preparing their salespeople to be able to deliver on that promise that they're making. So the, the formal approach to change management for most organizations typically revolves around process, changing the, the processes of an organization, changing how they do things. Is that enough? Absolutely not. Why isn't uh, just changing the processes enough? I think they forget it's the human element. So um, with any change initiative, you really have to consider that you have individuals, and individuals will look at a change from their own perspective. You have to make sure they're individually motivated. And a lot of times, a company will launch a process across the board, and they're not factoring each of these individuals and their role within the company. So effective programs really look at it from a layered approach and really make sure that they understand how to effectively motivate their employees and give them the tools to make the change. I think that lots of companies focus on the process of getting to the change and what the change should be, and that's appropriate. I mean, if you're gonna make a very big change, so we're, so this is more than just a brand change we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, maybe they're going into different markets or they're, they're changing their structure or they're merging or something like that. That takes a lot of work and preparation and it's a small group of people who worked intensely on it and they sort of get to the end of that and they think, whew. And, and, and what needs to be recognized is that's just the first phase, identifying the change. And that the commitment to talking about the change and helping everyone else through the change is, is going to take three or four times longer than, it, than, than the, the process of coming to the decision of what the change should be. So how do you drive the, what is the role then of communications in that change management process? I think first it's it's communicating why the change is happening, help people understand. And there's also a, a phased approach that the communication has to get management on board first and management has to see themselves in the change and emulate that. And then they have to communicate to the people that they oversee and manage to help them understand the change. So communication has to kind of play the, the layered approach within the organization to make sure people understand it, embrace it, and then can actually emulate and demonstrate it. Yeah, and then the important sort of last piece, the piece that should really, will really probably take the longest is, um, you know, I understand why we're doing it, I can see what my role is in it, and then I need proof, ongoing proof, that having gone through the pains of making this change are worth it. So I want to see, I want to know how it's impacting our customers. I want to know how it's impacting our other, my other coworkers. I want to see that, you know, the company is moving in the right direction and I'm working for a healthy organization since I've committed to do all of this work of making the change. Is it a question of volume of communications? Like, can you just send 100 emails and, and hope that your organization reacts to 100 emails telling no. you to change? I, I think it's like a conversation. Like, you know, 
you know when you're having a conversation with someone, you know, I can't tell you it takes, you have to, you have to listen to them say five things and they have to listen to you say five things and then boom, you're resolved. I don't know what it is, but it, so there's, it's not a magic number. It's a, it's a, it's a going through the stages. It almost sounds like the stages of grief or something, but, and, there, and that actually is a stage. Like people sometimes have to, depending on what the change is, you know, you're divesting yourself of a whole business. There, right. there you're literally wrong. is yeah. a, a period for mourning. So it's yeah. about thinking, what do what are human beings going to need to do to get through this they're going to need to understand they're going to need to have a place to sort of vent their feelings even if they can't impact the change they want to be heard about the change they want to have their management understand what they're saying and have their fears addressed and then have a chance to try things on and experiment and so it you know it, it it's uh, it's not x number of emails or x number of communications and you'll get it but you should you should expect that this isn't like a uh, a multi-touch campaign that you get three touches and you're good. This is a many month, many right. years it's, campaign, it's, depending on the size of yeah, change. It's the commitment is ongoing communication and it's two-way dialogue. So I think the there's got to be a way to not only communicate, but get input feedback and have people share their experiences in an effective way in order for the program to be successful. But it's got to be longer term commitment from a company to, to take take a change. And how are the ways in which you can engage employees in a way where you're actually listening to what they're saying? Is it online surveys or meetings or does it, how does that play out? I mean, it could be a, a variety. It could be um, some, some change initiatives are kicked off with a town hall, but then they're followed up with team meetings, online communities, places for you to share, places for you to ask questions, mm -hmm. ongoing dialogue at different levels within the organization sharing things with your peers. There, there's a lot of different ways that, that you can do that effectively. Yeah, one of the clients that we have worked with in the past um, uh, is in the financial services industry. And so it's a slow, it's a slow moving industry. It's a really stable and steady one. Um, and so the financial crisis was huge. And so you see these really culturally very static um, companies making big changes and um, and uh, and that's really unnerving for employees like if you're attracted to financial services you're you're a certain type of employee um, and so it's probably the best job I've seen in action and they sort of allowed um, employees to find lots of different ways to to sort of interact with the change um, have a chance to speak with their managers have a chance to speak with their leadership and it's a global company so they're not talking about a town hall they're talking about a quarterly town hall in every single region with different leaders who look differently so that they are you know really um, uh, of being champions for the change. They baked it into their performance management process. Um, and then there were, you know, even silly fun things like poster contests, which you think a poster contest at a financial service con company would never work, but it did. And then, you know, like Cosmopolitan magazine style quizzes, like what type of change person are you? And, you know, where it's just places for people to just learn more about it and interact with it in some different way that wasn't scary. I think at the heart of what marketing does and what advertising tends to do is craft a story and when you look at change management as sort of the institution of a new story it's very important for each employee to be able to take whatever the story structure is and see themselves in it mm -hmm. and to become the hero of that story you know in a way that they can overcome the obstacles and, and help the yeah. organization reach its goal at the exactly. end of the day in this financial yeah. services example that I had, we actually, um, we did a lot of the internal employee engagement materials, but we partnered with our um, PR agency uh, in order to actually give um, 
uh, uh, media training and like storytelling training um, based on the story that we crafted. Um, we use them to help train um, like the top tier the of leadership yeah. in the company to, to be effective speakers in telling personal stories. I mean, you don't usually take storytelling training as part of change management, but it works so well for them. And, and how did they take the story and, and run with it? Did they change it a lot or did they just tweak it to... I think it depended on the on the leader, but we, we created a framework for the story for them to be able to change it a lot. Understanding that in this particular case, you know, if they had, I don't remember how many, if they had 10 business units, five of them were going to stay pretty stable. Um, uh, three of them were going to change a lot and, and two of them were going away. And so they had to be able to tell really different stories to their people. Um, and so we, we crafted sort of a, an overarching story that, um, and gave them coaching on, okay, this is the place where it would be really appropriate for you to talk about how, you're, how you are feeling about this and what you are excited about and what you're concerned about and, be really, and give them a chance to be really authentic with their employees. So when we look at, again, one of, our, one of our larger clients, of course, has been undergoing a big shift for a number of years when you look at um, mm -hmm. IBM. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they're now focusing their entire business model around cognitive business and one of the things that they did was to have a, a cognitive build where they encouraged teams to build with these new technologies and to create things um, not necessarily for the business, not necessarily for their clients, but you know, uh, for the world. You know, they could build, they could mm -hmm. build new applications that helped in education or helped in um, healthcare, you know, whatever it was, and so it was a way that they were able to t to create a story or let each employee create their own story of how to build with this new yeah. technology That's and a, how to shift. A great point, Steve, because the the hands-on application of a change, having somebody actually experience it, is the best way that they're going to actually know how it works and retain it. Mm -hmm. It's a great example. When everything goes right, what does it look like for an organization? Like, how often does a change management process go 100% correct? Well, I think you, you had the statistic that 70% of them fail, so they still haven't cracked the code because I think they haven't completely integrated the human element into it. But when it does go well, there's alignment between a direction of a company and employees believing in it and seeing themselves in it and, and driving forward. I think the financial services company that Domri referenced earlier is a great example of, of a successful one. We did another one with um, GE Capital which they launched a new positioning in the market and the sales team had to get on board and, and deliver that. And so all of the initiatives that we helped them with, with were to actually support that sales team in delivering on the brand, brand position of we're, we're builders, not bankers. And that was all around demonstrating that they understood a company's business beyond just the financial piece. And so we helped de develop a tool and help the salespeople really kind of strive to bring new thinking to their clients. Mm -hmm. It was really based upon, um, you know, being able to tap into the expertise broadly across the company. So their salespeople were experts in in understanding financial situations of any kind. Yeah. Um, but to offer up to a client, um, well, we we have experts in marketing. Do you want to help our experts in marketing? Um, it was probably even less in um, materials that they could use to share with customers to convince the customers that they under that they believed in marketing. And people think GE is an amazing company. Leadership, of course, they're experts in leadership development. Of course, they're experts in marketing. We actually had to convince salespeople that they could offer that up and we that that someone could credibly deliver that for them. 
them. So the, the change management there was, um, is not in convincing them to be builders. They wanted to be builders. Yeah. And it wasn't in convincing customers, frankly. It was the, the barrier was that salespeople would be comfortable risking these very valuable client relationships on something that might not turn out. And so actually that's a lot when you're working with sales teams. A lot of yep. making a change successful is um, making that, that internal person confident that the rest of their colleagues can deliver on the, the yeah. promise that they're making face to face with a customer. It's selling something else that you can't own. It feels like it represents an extension beyond framing your change around business value or business metrics or business results and ultimately looking at what's the purpose of what we're doing, how are we trying to elevate and you know, appealing to the higher nature of um, individuals or salespeople to be able to say, you know, we've got this valuable thing, we want to share this valuable thing with the world as opposed to we want to sell you more stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think in the B two B space that we're talking about here today, I mean, really, um, you need you're you're looking for employees who are um, problem solvers and um, who can uh, talk to customers about business challenges and who can look at the broader context, who are about creating partnerships between businesses, and that's employees across the board, whether you're a salesperson or whether you're in marketing or you know, that's the kind of employee that you're looking at. At hiring, that's the kind of organization you're building. Um, it's not going to work to just tell that type of workforce, um, we're going to make this change uh, and we need you to be doing this a different way by Thursday and expect that that's going to be enough. Right, right. They have to be individually motivated mm -hmm. and they have to be able to have the ability to do the, do the change that you've asked them to do. So as, as organizations are struggling with um, digital transformation across their businesses, um, you know, they're, they're dealing with a new generation of employees in the workplace. Um, you know, you look at millennials. How does that change how you approach change management? A, a workforce that's made up of, of different generations of people, they have different expectations of what they get from their work and what they want from their work. Um, and so, you know, motivating um, a really independent Gen Xer who just wants a little bit of information and then just wants to be left alone, which would be my MO, is gonna be really different from a millennial who wants to really engage with you and really get feedback from you and really understand things in a different way. And so, you know, it's, it's the same as your outbound marketing. You need to understand who your audience is and how to reach them. You need to do the same thing for your internal audience, especially if they are the critical piece to your business succeeding. Yeah, and, and I don't think the basics don't change. You still have to, motivate people individually, but the tools you use may change, and the individual individual motivators are different based on the generation, but the basics don't change. So if you're dealing with a company that, that say has been around for 50 years, 20 years, 100 years, and they're feeling competitive pressure from startups and new companies, I mean, is there a trick to being able to shift your big organization to act like a startup? Is that a, a feasible goal to have when you're looking at change management, to act differently, to act more agilely? I think that if you, I think that the time to think about the way to effectively communicate and engage your employees should have been well before you were launching on some big change management. So if you had a, if you have an, a, a population of employees that has a regular way to interact with leadership, that has regular forms of effective communication that are not like a monthly newsletter, um, that like there are meaningful ways for you to provide input, then you stand a better chance as a big company of being able to 
um, being able to communicate that to your employees and being able to make faster changes because that's what your employees expect. Um, and, they, and they're already primed to get communication from you and to, and to you know, they trust it or, you know, they, they understand how they're supposed to interact with you as opposed to trying to create that on the fly. And startups sort of do that naturally because they're, you know, you, you have to be in that sort of intense level of communication with leadership. You're, I mean, you probably literally sit next to them. So, you know, if you had a, an, a, a system and an infrastructure, those sound like really not flexible words, but if you have a current communications cadence that's actually working that's meaningful for people you're you're probably better off to withstand that, that kind of competitive pressure and i think what, what we are talking about steve that there really is um that is changing the entire culture i mean to go from that large behemoth down to more of a startup mentality and i think change initiatives can help with that but that's uh that might be a complete complete culture shift mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see with, with startups, like to, you know, to your point, the people just, you're sitting next to somebody and you're like, I need help with this. And so you can ask that person to right. help with this. But when you have a thousand employees and you're asking a thousand employees right. to help with something right. new, it's... I mean, you think about responsive, like just the word responsive. So a startup, that, that might be the word that you might boil it down to first. They, are, they can, they can un see client needs and respond to them. They can see what their employees need and they can respond to that quickly. So in order for a big company to be responsive, they have to be listening and they have to provide feedback. And so if you have mechanisms for doing that, that work and that actually engage employees, not just you hope they're engaging employees, then maybe you can be as responsive as a big company can be. Um, I think the one example, uh, Don Marie, that you had shared in an earlier meeting was around State Street. Can you talk to the State Street experience and what, what their long-term approach to change management was? So a couple of years ago, we got a chance to work with State Street, which is in the financial services realm. Um, and they had made a lot of changes to their business in response to sort of coming out of the financial crisis. Um, senior leadership was well aware of the changes, but they had never been effectively communicated to employees. So there was a lot of fear and a lot of disruption in an industry that's usually pretty static and very stable. Um, and, and so, you know, they could see that this was starting to wear away at their employees and they were getting some attrition from the kinds of employees that you'd want to keep because people just were unsure. And so they launched on a very thoughtful internal communications plan that's now on its third or fourth year. That's how long they've made this commitment to change. Um, and we use that framework that Cheryl talked about earlier about people need to understand why the change is happening. Um, and why, why leadership has decided to go this way. They need a chance to sort of really experience it for themselves and find their way in how they either are gonna contribute to this change or maybe have to transition from a current role into something else in order to support the change. And then they needed lots of ways to see that this was making a difference. So we sort of blocked out those three different stages um, and, and built a whole, helped them build a whole communications plan around it with lots of different ways for people to interact town halls, um, uh, sort of online um, uh, forums that they could they could ask questions and get, like directly have leadership um, answer those questions for them. Um, lots of, um, you know, fun ways to participate too, which you wouldn't, you know, you know, think it's kind of fun, but, you know, lot, and, and, and they very um, purposefully measured employee interaction at all of those stages with um, focus groups and one-on-one -on -one interviews with a, with a broad range of employees and, um, you know, chances for people to contribute uh, on their on their internal blogs and chatters and things like that. And it was really, I mean, the amount of 
participation they got was frankly incredible. I couldn't believe mm -hmm. that that many individuals wanted, wanted to engage and ask questions in a place where I thought, you know, they may feel a little vulnerable to raise their hand and say, hey, I have a question. Um, and, and frankly, they, they, they have made this shift in strategy. Um, you know, the companies. Uh, is very strong. Um, they, you know, I don't think that they've had that level of attrition anymore. Um, certainly, all all metrics would say this is exactly the way to do it. And they've just sort of folded all of the changes that they see coming forward into this sort of communications plan. They've really established that type of ongoing communication that I was talking about before, um, and and now they're sort of poised to handle whatever comes next. One one big point that they are doing right is all of their divisions and departments are integrated. Yep. So they have marketing, they have sales, they have HR, everybody is on board pushing this. That has to happen. That's really all we have time for today. We're glad you joined us here in the Leopard B2B Lounge. I'm your host, Steve Mudd. Thank you to our expert guest, Don Marie. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheryl, thank you so much. You're welcome. Leopard is a specialty agency of Ogilvy & Mather focused on translating the complexities of the B2B world into content and conversations itself. Check back with us next time and we'll explore the novels of Gabriel Garcia Marquez and their impact on Colombian culture. But for today, the lounge is closed.